0: This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: to the last DetroitSportsRag.com podcast of 2015. My name is Jeffrey Brandon Moss. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMossDSR. My special co-host for this evening as Justin Spiro is in Dallas currently for getting ready for the Michigan State Alabama Cotton Bowl. He'll be calling in in a few minutes to talk about a subject that I'm sure everybody is waiting with bated breath to hear about. Drew Sharp, he is Syracuse broadcast student Jasper Apollonia.
2: Awesome! The theme song for you, Jasper. Thanks. No, no, thanks a lot. No, I, I've been <laughs> petitioning Moss to get the Ric Flair theme song on. Uh, I would have brought my glowing, glittering robes and many women with me if that was the case. But you missed out. No, well,
1: going around telling people you have 160 IQ and how awesome you are—you are the Miz. I'm sorry, you are not the—you are not the, uh, are not also, the
2: dirtiest uh, man in wrestling. Or but whatever. the but the Miz is not nearly as wealthy as I am, and I'm fabulously wealthy. <laughs> so you've got it all. You've, Thank got, it, you. you've got it all, Jasper. Well, uh, and and I I have to interject first, Jeff. You introduced this as the DSR podcast. That's not true. This is the award-winning Detroit Sports Rec podcast
3: right
2: yes. here on Podcast Detroit. <laughs> that
1: is true. This was uh, – we were – well, Podcast Detroit, which we're a part of the network here in Ferndale. Um, Where Were we broadcasting out of – what's the studio called?
3: Detroit Sound Studios. Detroit Durr. Sound
1: Studios. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. Activate Gaming. There's but so many podcast like –
3: Podcast Detroit is, you know –
1: yeah, so we were voted the number one art. podcast last week on CBS Radio's website. Uh, a woman named Let's see, what's her name? Liz Parker, a freelance writer at University of Michigan. She called the Detroit's uh, the podcast Detroit Podcast number one, and then mentioned specifically the dot which obviously is a freelance writer. Out of Uni- University of Michigan, she wasn't aware that she wasn't supposed to mention the Detroit Sports Rag on any C- CBS platform. She did not know it was verboten. No, she was not aware. She was not. She was not a, made uh, privy to that no. information. As a matter of fact, uh, someone who works for CBS Radio, who's on our forums, uh, basically confirmed that obviously this girl was just clueless and had no idea that you're not supposed to broadcast the Detroit Sports Rag anywhere uh, on the radio on the website. Just supposed to act, act like we don't exist. Clearly, Terry Foster didn't do a proofreading before it got posted. No. Oh, he might have, and he just. Well, yeah, he, true. He could have read it as, De- as Detroit Sports Podcast or something because mm-hmm. he just. Mm-hmm. It's kind of illiterate. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. Like I said, Spiro's going to be calling in a few minutes to talk about the Drew, pla- the Drew Sharp plagiarism scandal. Second half of the show is going to be completely dedicated to the DSR Raggies, the first time we've ever done them on a podcast. Usually we you know, just put the nominees out there on the website, article form, and then just give out the winners. Uh, tonight we're going to give you the nominees and write live on the broadcast, tell you who won uh, some of the Raggies. I think we'll save some of them for next week. We'll, we'll do uh, some of them this week. And then we can comment on the validity of the vote. This is a di- dictatorship. I'm the only person with a vote. And I
2: have decided all of the winners. This is like the, the WWE Hall of Fame. You know, and yeah, the, right. the the selection committee made up of one man.
1: Vince McMahon? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. I am the Vince McMahon of the Detroit Sports Rag. And I will decide who gets the Raggies and who doesn't. That will be coming up around 5.50, 5.55. And uh, we'll get Spiro in a second. First, I want to just go to a uh, post on Facebook that I read yesterday while doing some show prep. And I, I would be remiss not to discuss this. This is from our... Own producer Jessica Sarah about 18 hours ago, and I will quote If you're out and see a random stranger walking somewhere, this
3: was yesterday when there was ice, coated with snow, with Right. Ice because falling from the sky. The
1: murderers and rapists don't go out in the winter. Uh, quote: well, like, Offer them. Know, a, I'd be more a, Offer them, them a ride. The guy I gave one to work was appreciative as she I was would very, have been. Very nice. Your chances of getting knifed are one out of a hundred. <laughs> so do something Could nice. Maybe it's a. Con- it's convenient and it's shitty out. Okay. It was very shitty out. First of all, maybe getting knifed is one out of a hundred. Five out of a hundred is getting raped. Another five out of a hundred is getting decapitated.
3: Uh, um, I have mace, a knife,
2: uh-huh.
3: and a Louisville slugger in my driver's seat. And So I feel like I'm a, safe. And if
2: the person
1: has a gun.
3: If a person has a gun, okay, are they really going to shoot me because I'm giving them a ride somewhere? I feel like I have a better chance of getting Jasper. carjacked okay, just in my G-Ride. Hold, on, hold, in my G ride, hold, hold pulled up to a red light just sitting Where there you waiting. pick this person up? Where? Um, driving home from the studio, actually. Oh, by 8 Mile in Woodward? Well, you know, it was eight and <laughs> yeah, a half hold on, hold on, in Hilton, if you want to okay. get technical right, so about half here. Half a mile. Half a mile. Okay. Yeah. If you want to get technical.
1: As a neurotic Jew who was raised not to – I couldn't cross the street until I was like 17.
3: Uh-huh. Okay?
1: I will abstain from this conversation. Jasper, can you talk some sense? Oh, oh you're, uh,
3: you're yeah. passing the well, dick well, card to someone else today. Is that what yes. you're doing? That's fine. <laughs> I, I'll willingly pick it up.
2: uh this is ridiculous. Am, you
3: I, am I here? A one am of, I here? Yes. Am I there's here? Do I look like anybody tried to saw me in all? No, no, no.
2: There's a one out of like, no, 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 there's out of like what? There's a one out of what? Fifty million chance you're going to get eaten by a shark, but you don't see me <laughs> oh slathering my myself in A1 and jumping into the Gulf of Mexico. What makes
3: you think sharks like A1? That's Anyways, not the we'll point. Along.
2: <laughs> That's your defense. That's your defense. <laughs> That's your defense. I'm <laughs> oh, picking
1: For up. Someone. now. I'm working on. I'm a
3: little hungover. What was this person doing? Walking to work. How did you know what they were doing? I fucked. Whoa. <laughs> I swear, I <laughs> okay, so. Well, I didn't. So. What did you do to walk? <laughs> you, you fuck? I fucking didn't. That's so hot. I was like driving home and then I see, you know, this dude walk and I'm like, man, it's shitty out. Like, all right. And I turn around and go to pick him up and I'm like, hey, do you need a ride somewhere? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm headed to work. Thanks. And he gets in, blah, blah, blah. Super nice guy. Could he have been a murderer? Work? Yeah, but I have mace, so he wouldn't have been able to see me. Could have, have slammed on my brakes. Hilton's like thirty mace. miles an hour. Mm. I have mace. I have a knife. I have a Louisville Slugger. It's going to be br- and I know how to fight, so it's going to be really hard to take you, me down. Oh, my own okay, damn wait, car.
2: no, I need to. I need to take you to task here. Okay, this here we is go. this is just something that always works. For me. Yeah, you know how to fight. Yeah. That's fine. I don't know how to fight at all. I can. You don't do, look I can like do. do I can do maybe fifteen. <laughs> I can do maybe fifteen push-ups. Jessica, I'd, I'd knock you out with one punch. Oh, my God. No, I'd you wouldn't. would your ass. <laughs> no, like, you wouldn't. It's just a no, biological I fact.
3: Full on hit, like, <laughs> I have been full-on hit. I have been full-on jacked in the face by somebody who actually trained for boxing. I did not get knocked out. Okay, okay that's
2: fine. I'm,
3: I'm a I feel like, pounds. I feel like I'll your little tiny you. <laughs> feminine soft hands over there are not going to do shit to me. Okay, uh, so
1: where did you take this person?
3: To work. It was, Where uh, was it? Like, it was um, um, Woodward Heights and, and Hilton. All right. Do so, me a favor.
1: We haven't had a competent producer on this sh- for the show for 13 years, and we just found so you two months ago. So are
3: like you asking two, me not two to die? Ago, so
1: please don't die. Yeah. Right. So for stop, your own selfish reason Stop smoking, and stop <laughs> picking up hitchhikers. Well, just it, he my, wasn't
3: even hitchhiking. I, he was just walking along listening to that's his earbuds. That's how they
1: get you. That's how they fool you. No,
3: it really is. And I think if somebody wanted to kill all me, right. they'd be trying to hitchhike. Is Spiro on the phone now? So, no, not yet. Oh, I don't know what he's doing. Right. Spiro, get your thumb out of your ass and call us, please.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, get out your thumb out of your ass and get it in the air Everybody because we'll pick you up no matter what you look like, no matter who you are.
3: And if you try to attack me, I will mace you until you're crying like a little bitch. So I feel like I I came home safe and I watched Arrow last night. That's what I did.
1: Okay. Well we'll we'll get away from uh ninety seven point one esque radio discussing uh Non-sports you started topics. It. Yeah, we'll get into a. S- I, I know because I, I, only because I don't want to lose our producer. That that uh, was the only reason. I don't want to have to see I a mil- yeah, I don't want someone He doesn't want someone else to push buttons
3: like from, him, from him for him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, who would take over for you, Theo Spite, Gridiron?
3: Hey, hey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, look, the guy's got great. Uh, he he's been in the studio tons of times. The guy obviously knows his way around recording equipment. Yes, I do uh, a show. The, when is the Christmas. Album coming out with Spiro is that next week or? I think it was delayed. I think it'll be coming out uh, the the Christmas. They want to build the promotional yeah, yeah,
1: I, think it's, for I it. think it's coming up. I think January tenth. Okay, cool. That'll be great. By oh. the way, Theo ever mentioned like working with us? Has they ever asked if we like have horns and?
3: I like stay out of the middle of your guys' little you know. He's shit never thing said anything I don't know, but Spiro's on the phone, so okay. I have a song for you, Spiro. Finally, finally. Spiro, you're on the hey, line. Bear.
0: What's up? <laughs>
3: it's fine. Okay, it's Jessica I, Rangel. I'm not in witness protection. I just took my last name off my Facebook.
0: <laughs> am I? Am I on the air right now? Oh yeah. Yeah, you are. We don't have. Uh, we put yeah, your music though. I, I apologize for calling late. I was having a nice conversation with Graham Couch, and I didn't want to end it. Oh wow. So
1: Spiro, let's before we get into what we have to talk about. I'm trying
3: you, to play your music, and it's not letting me. That's play all right. It.
1: We don't need. We we know he's a motherfucker. Um, <laughs> so. Spiro is down in uh, Dallas, getting ready for the Michigan State versus Alabama Cotton Bowl, the semifinal playoff matchup. Drove down an RV yesterday with his, what, eight-month pregnant wife? Uh, Seven months. Seven months, excuse me. Sue me over a month. Uh, So you went down there, 18-hour drive, or whatever it was, and now you're there, and You're hanging out with luminaries. I saw on Periscope earlier this evening you and Jennifer Hammond were hanging out, and then your wife and Jennifer were discussing how to raise your child, which I found interesting on Periscope. And now you're hanging out with Graham Couch. Can you give us a little details about that?
0: Yeah, I'm at the Omni Hotel in Dallas. Uh, The third floor, there's Media Row here, Radio Row to be exact. Uh, A couple of stations are here, a bunch of media relations pamphlets and whatnot. And right off of Radio Row, there is a giant banquet hall that I'm sitting in on, on a luxurious couch right now. Uh, it looks like twice the size of the room I got married in. Um, and it is the most incredible thing. Plush couches, massage chairs, free open bar, and media members crawling all over the place. Uh, so I'm here right now. I, I heard Graham was on one with Jack Ebling. I went and waited for a break and spoke to him for about 10 minutes and I criticized him uh, to his face. I wanted to introduce myself, but I said I look, I'm the guy that's been on you about Max Bull and you and Joe. And you know, I, I told Ryan Schilling, I would feel like a coward if I knew Graham Couch was in the same room and I didn't go introduce myself and say, "Hey, this is the guy that's been critical of you." And I had a nice conversation with him, and he could have could have blown me off. Jack Ebling overheard some of the conversation, and. Um, put his headset on and gave me a thumbs up, like kind of dismissively, like, hey, all right, buddy, I like, get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> and, but, but, but Graham stood there and answered every question I had about Max Bull and his coverage of it and his general vanilla coverage. I told him to his face that I thought he was way too soft, um, you know, and, and uh, he had a conversation with me. So it, it's been interesting. Uh, you know, my wife is talking to Jennifer Hammond right now, getting advice on parenting. Uh, Ryan Schuling is having a drink with Scott Anderson, not of twelve seventy ninety seven one, but of Darko our, fame. And our
1: Scott Anderson. my wife,
0: yeah, my wife's learning about parenting from Hambone, and I'm sitting here on a big white couch in what looks like a posh Super Bowl party. So it, it's been an interesting day in Dallas, to say the least.
1: Okay, let's uh, talk about what's been going on the last few days, and I wonder if you've had any interaction with anyone down there, media-wise, regarding your article, but. In case there's one person who is listening to this podcast that doesn't know the story, uh, Christmas Eve, you wrote an article on the Detroit Sports Rag accusing Drew Sharp of plagiarism. At this point, it's not an accusation anymore. Basically, everyone in the world, including his co-workers at both the Free Press and Detroit Sports 105.1, are just admitting that he plagiarized. Uh, <laughs> I think Sean Belisian on, on Facebook today said, yeah, he's it's pretty black and white. What do you want me to say? That's someone who he's working with, by the way, Thursday, supposedly, on the air between 3.30 and and 5.30 on 105.1. I've had people uh, from the free press uh, like my tweets about the articles, including Jim Schaefer, who Pulitzer Prize-winning free Press investigative reporter who basically um, busted Kwame Kilpatrick. I I had posted yesterday the follow-up story uh, about – the sharp plagiarism, and he liked that. I've been receiving anonymous emails from free press employees about it. So there's no, there's no, there's no discussion at this point. He plagiarized. And, uh, I'm just curious, we're not going to rehash the whole story, but has anyone talked to you about it uh, down there? I know you were also uh, in the presence of the great Bob Wojnowski. Uh,
0: Yeah. And I asked Wojo about it and I, I received an uncomfortable smile and, uh, not a formal no comment, but a no comment through gesture. Uh, you know, here's here's what my experience down here in the flesh has been: the exact same experience I've had electronically with the media is we've had people reach out to me uh, of their own volition. We've had people responding to my requests for comment and for expert opinion, and there has been complete uh, just uh, there's a unanimous consent here that plagiarism occurred, that the Detroit Free Press. Some people have hesitated to use the term covered it up. Some have said that they've used that term flat out that the free covered this up. Others have simply said they handled it poorly. I have yet to find a single journalist whom I've contacted or whom contacted me who has disputed the fact that Drew Sharp plagiarized Dave Harnes and that the free press either covered it up or was at the very best the biggest freak apologist would say they were negligent in the handling of the matter. So, and I, again, here's the problem. I had one major source go on record that was reflective in the report that you and I updated yesterday, where Fred Brown, a, a guy who was on the standard of professional journalists, uh, the Society of Professional Journalists Committee of Ethics, and former editor of the Denver Post, a guy who literally wrote the textbook on journalist, uh, journalistic ethics a textbook that is used at the Syracuse School of Journalism and Michigan State, as well as others, has said that this was plagiarism, this was an egregious case. But what is the issue is getting more people to go on record. Now, here's what I'm hearing, and I can't say these names. Most of you know them because we've shared them in our investigation. I can't share them publicly, but we've had numerous people. That the amount of anonymous sources we have could fill a stadium, okay? The amount of awards between... Prizes, uh, journalistic awards, New York Times bestsellers, et cetera, that have commented on this situation off the record, that have condemned Drew Sharp in the free press, Uh, it's countless. We're over a dozen at this point. And that has been my experience here in Dallas as well. And Jasper wants to ask you a question,
1: but nobody's defended him, not one person. Not one person. What do you you want to ask? My next point is the
0: the tenor here is uh, everyone knows and does not want to comment on it. The one thing I've heard that is, I think, a justifiable explanation for the silence, as far as going on the record, is that people want to see what the free press does from here. But I talked to a source in the media here today uh, that confirmed that Drew Sharp was supposed to be here today and is not. I was not was supposed to be in Dallas covering this event and is not here. That is something that you and I have both heard from someone completely separate earlier. Um, again, I don't know that for sure. I'm not going so far as to report that you. Well, I, I heard the same beer, thing, and think
1: let's put two and two together. It's the biggest college football game that Michigan State's played in since what uh, the 1960s. Uh, it's one of the biggest games. Any Since 1966. Okay, Rose yeah, Bowl and, 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 yeah, right. It's probably and, it, and you can make a case it's even bigger because I mean this is this is now a different age and this is a this is a Final Four basically. Now, I would argue it's the
0: biggest game in Michigan State yeah. history. And
1: it's what you know and and you can add Michigan into it. You know, going back to '97 against Washington State. I mean, this is this is what we're talking about. And they've got Sean Windsor. That's who their
2: columnist is down there. Nobody knows who Sean Windsor is. Yeah, I mean, and and that's basically what I wanted to ask you about, Justin, was is Drew Sharp there? And you've already answered our question because he seemed like a logical choice for the free press to maybe send down there considering he's covered Big Ten football, Michigan State in the past. Additionally, Drew Sharp has a job at 105.1. I was going to ask you, have you seen anything from 105.1 down there in Texas? Are they there at all?
0: Uh, well, I can't speak definitively that they're not. Uh, I'm in a room with a couple hundred media members right now looking out at the group. Grand Couch just walked by with a, a beverage. Uh, I don't see anybody representative of points here. Um, again, take that for what it's worth. I don't know if they're not here for a fact uh, well, or not. But if, if they're What not, I have been told repeatedly is that Drew Sharp was supposed to be here, was scheduled to be here, and is not here, and no one has seen him.
1: We'll, we'll take that one step further. As we reported yesterday in the follow-up, Justin and myself, between the time that the free press learned of the plagiarism and Drew Sharp lying to the sports editor, Kevin Bull, in our article, Drew Sharp wrote seven columns in like nine days. Since your article dropped at one thirty on Christmas Eve, he has written zero. No presence anywhere. He hasn't been on the radio. He hasn't been in the free press. And according to Matt Derry... On 105.1 earlier this afternoon on his show, he stated that Drew Sharp was taking a little vacation in Florida and he would be on Thursday, which is New Year's Eve, with Sean Belisian at 3.30, between 3.30 and 5.30. Uh, first of all, 105.1 is the next one to get bombed because they they have every reason in the world to cut bait. They've had this guy on the air for what? three uh, weeks, yeah, I mean, he just replaced drew in. he he's he, they should they should get rid of him just for for PR purposes. they they would look like heroes if they got in front of this before the free press and they'd probably make some news for themselves. I mean, it's it's good i'm I'm telling you we're gonna have twenty people bombing that show on Thursday. Uh, trying to get on. It'll, it'll better, be
2: the most calls they've gotten in, Yeah,
1: it will be the months. most calls they've ever received. And you and, and you probably shouldn't even take calls. Because let me tell you something. Uh, this is like going to be like Tradio and Richard and Sale. Every person you pick up is going to be someone in the DSR if you take calls.
0: Well, I think here, I mean, first of all, I agree with you. I think 105.1 from a PR standpoint alone should get ahead of this. I think it would make some waves, which would be the first waves they've made. If they made a declaration that Drew Sharp will not appear on their airwaves until this is resolved, even if it was just nothing more than grandstanding, but at the end of the day, this happened in a free press uh, publication. This happened under the watch of the free press editors, and this was—I look—I I was, I don't hesitate to use the term covered up. It was covered up. Bottom line, it I mean,
1: was. Let me was, this, this, tell you something, Justin. Real quick, Justin. Real quick. This has all of the makings of a Roger Goodell type of deal. Okay, think about it. They knew exactly what went down. They didn't do anything about it until you reported about it. They, there's nothing has changed materially since December 15th.
0: Look, I know for a fact we had a source on this. That was very good, and it has not been disputed by Dave Harms in his own piece. That the free press admitted it. There's no dispute about this. If there, if the free press didn't do this, they certainly would have denied it by now. The free press admitted the transgression. There, we've had people writing into us saying, "Oh, I don't know if this is plagiarism or not." First of all, no experts. Every expert agrees. But the, the concept that oh, maybe the freak didn't do anything wrong. The free apologize. The free offered compensation and supposedly has promised to pay compensation, which has been deferred to a charity uh, in honor of Miranda McCoy. But if they didn't do anything wrong, why did they apologize? Why did they admit it? Why did they offer to pay David Harnes for an article written by Drew Sharp? Uh, if, if we don't, you don't, don't take our word for it. Just look at the facts of the case, the facts that have been not disputed by Dave Harnes the facts that they're not defeated by the Detroit Free Press. If these charges were erroneous, feel free to speak up, Detroit Free Press, but I would tread carefully because I have text messages that, that prove their complicity in this. And I, I think it's unbelievable that they would go silent on this. Look, I understand wanting to sort this out. I understand wanting to take your time to really digest the situation and process it and formulate a strategic approach. However, you have to at least address it. Say we're investigating it. Say we're looking at it. We take these matters seriously. Whatever. Offer a generic statement that any PR firm could write. You could take it. It's very formulaic. But to just ignore it entirely publicly, I I do believe... They've been questioned. It's not just us. It's It's not just us.
1: It's not just us. They've been questioned by awful announcing... Which is one of the probably big big three with big lead and deadspin of media criticism in the country. Deadline Detroit's commented on it. Motor City Muckraker. It's been all over the place. You Google Drew Sharp and plagiarism,
2: and like fifteen things now show up. Well, and and that's why the inaction on and other than, of course, the slight. We are issuing a correction to this article thing that they put on the original sharp article that's why the lack of an a- of action doesn't make sense to me because at the very least there is a very well-founded accusation of plagiarism and on top of that it appears and there's evidence that drew sharp then lied to his editor well, that's what i want to get to about about plagiarizing and then later Apparently, <laughs> was very contrite when he, yeah. admitted, when he got caught, when he got caught. after he'd Dave, already what lied what and, to his editor. I
0: mean, I, I don't have any sourcing. You know, I'm Drew Sharp blind, so I can't speak to that. Dave, I, Harns, Harns, Dave Harns. Dave said it,
1: Justin. It's in his no, article. That's I'm saying.
0: Why would we disbelieve Dave Harns right. at this point? And what kind I of just, eunuch, I just wanted to clarify that I don't have any. Information no, no.
1: We, on and, that, I, and, we and we mentioned that in the follow up yesterday that was posted that that was from Harns. We had no. That was a bombshell to us. We didn't know it. Right, and, yeah, and, that was
0: news toss. I just and, wanted to clarify that. Yeah, that's I, fine. Yeah. I, I, I
1: believe her. Bobby. Right. And what kind of eunuch is, is this guy Kevin Bull? Has he been castrated? I mean, th- this is a joke. This guy's first month on the job, okay? Because Gene Myers just retired in November, I believe. And I, I'm, I'm led to believe that Kevin Bull is now the sports editor of the paper. So in his first month on the job, he's handed this which basically on a silver platter to to basically show, look, there's a new sheriff in town, and this crap's not going to happen under my watch. Instead, he catches the guy plagiarizing. He confronts Sharp about it. Sharp, according to David Harnes, then said, I spoke for 10 or 15 minutes in a hallway at Michigan State with Connor Cook, who told me all of the background story about Miranda McCoy. Well, and first he said it was like three or four minutes. No, no, no. That's what Harns. That's what Harns thought he uh, saw. Okay. Harns thought he saw him for about four or five minutes, but Sharp told his boss it was like fifteen minutes. Okay, so we have that part of it. He, after Harns calls Bull and they're going back and forth, he. Uh, Bull finally gets to the point where he's like, okay, I'm calling Sharp in off the streets. You're coming into the office downtown, and we're going to go over this. He makes Drew Sharp take out his tape recorder and play the interview with Connor Cook in its entirety so he could hear how long it was and if he could have possibly got all the background information that about Miranda's car accident, about the cold weather or during a game, all those things that were in harms article that nobody else in the world knew about and no one posted about. And he sits there in the office at the Free Press building, and Bull hears that he's been lied to. And his reaction to that is, allow Drew Sharp to write columns for another nine days, seven articles posted on the website, does nothing until your article drops, Justin. That's why I'm saying... This is a Roger Goodell situation where basically the equivalent of the Ray Rice elevator video is our article.
0: Hey, you know, Jasper is at Syracuse right now, which I think is undisputably, uh, indisputably the number one journalism and broadcasting school in the country. I have a degree from journalism in Michigan State, a minor in broadcasting. I would say it's second or third best in the country for journalism and broadcasting. It's certainly up there. Hey, We we know this this is and I'm sure Jasper will confirm this. This is hammered into us from from our first day in a journalism class 101. That journalism is the ultimate sin. It is something that you can't do. You can get in trouble for anything else. Don't plagiarize. You cannot plagiarize. And this is a major issue because it's one thing for a journalist to do it. It's it's bad enough, but to have an editorial staff look at this case, admit privately to the victim of the plagiarism that it happened, acknowledging it, offered to pay them, offered to pay a charity, and not disclose that publicly is a, is a significant breach of trust. It is something that every professor I've spoken to, every journalist in the field I've spoken to, we're up over a dozen now, has agreed with me on this. It is such an egregious breach of trust. There's a, maybe 10% of the consumers of this information that have said that this is what is the big deal here. Dave Harnes doesn't care. Well, Dave Harnes is the primary victim in this case, of this instance, but the truth is a victim. The readers of the free press are victims, because what credibility do you have? It's the one thing they teach you in journalism school, the one thing that you can't do, the one thing that's unforgivable we're taught, is what Drew Sharp did and what the free press did not disclose upon learning about Admitting and apologizing for, and the other if thing, Justin, if the free Justin, press can't can concede this and be transparent about it, uh, why are they a public? And, and the
1: other thing that I want to I want to talk about, and was something that uh, the Motor City Muckraker said on, on Facebook yesterday, that he's calling on the free press because in this situation, in these situations, if whether it's Jason Blair or the guy from Shattered Glass, that Shattered Glass movie where uh, Anakin Skywalker played a a um, reporter who um, made, made a bunch of stuff up. Okay, whether whatever case it may be, when they catch you doing this, they don't just say take your word and say, oh, he's never done it before. He's already lied about plagiarizing to his boss, and what the Motor City Muckraker, who's an ex-Free Press uh, reporter, uh, said to me was, they need to be going back on all of his columns, and to see if he's done this before.
2: Well, it's what they did with Mitch Album when when he was accused of a, a similar. But they do it with ul- everybody. But ultimately, different type of sin. But the fact of the matter is, this isn't just something that's unacceptable in journalism. It's something that's unacceptable at any level of academics.
1: Joe Biden, Joe Biden
2: cost himself
1: a chance at the presidency over plagiarism it, back in 1988 when the two of you weren't even
2: born. It is an open and shut type of thing. It's plagiarism. The one nice thing about plagiarism is that it's really easy to catch because either you did it or you didn't. And, and you can see it right there. And you look at the similarities between Harnes' original article and Sharp's article and it's apparent; it is obvious to anyone with any sort of well. I think we're way past that. But my point was about that, Motor City. Hold on, hold on. My point about Motor pretty City
1: Muckrakers—he said that he's going to personally go back and look at all of Sharp stuff
2: and and, and 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 try to and try to well, f- well see. if well, if Kevin Rocky Mountain Oysters isn't going to do it, somebody should. That's journalism. That's, and they that's they what responded. journalism is. If somebody does something that is unethical, that is immoral, that is that they are not supposed to be doing, a journalist's responsibility is to investigate and report upon it. That is what journalism is at its core, is making sure that the things that can slip through the cracks, that maybe don't seem like a big deal at first, like a puff piece about Connor Cook, it doesn't matter. It is the principle of it. He should at the very least be suspended pending well,
1: I think investigation. He has
2: been. I think he is. I well, think he's suspended right now, and they're not telling us. And that's
1: the next point. I think it's he's been
0: formally suspended. It's, it's I think five it's days, take a break. five I days,
1: mean. five days, and they haven't responded to a, a whirlwind of attention. And my next, the next topic, because I mean, we could beat this all to death about. I mean, we, there's no argument if he did it. And the next thing is, what should they do? What should the free press do? And this is where Sparrow and I kind of disagree. Uh, because I think you basically just said whatever the free press does, as long as they investigate it and they they do something, that, that you, you're kind of out of it. To me at this point, I'm calling for them to fire this man. And it's not just because of this. Th- this is a absolute loser douchebag troll who has no business being basically the de facto lead columnist for the free press, as it is, if there wasn't the plagiarism. This guy is human garbage, okay? He's a troll. He purposely writes stuff he doesn't believe just to get cheap heat. He's a poor man, Skip Bayless. He does nothing to raise the discourse in this town. His last official tweet, if you go to his account, is, state still sucks. That's, That's the kind of child you're dealing with, someone just trying to piss people off, that's that's what he is, and it's not the first time he's been caught. We caught him in 2011, writing an article about the Justin Verlander no hitter, a game he admitted to me in an email that he didn't watch for the first five innings,
2: and wrote about the first five innings of that game. Which, by the way, I I don't I see very little difference between doing something like that and saying that Mateen Cleaves and Jason Richardson were at a basketball game. They weren't. You're reporting upon something that you have. No, that you're that you actually didn't experience. He didn't see that's it. false reporting. And, and we can I'll repeat it one more time for anyone who
1: hasn't listened and wasn't listening to Schilling's show where I went, talked about it yesterday because this is four years old and there's a lot of new people on the DSR who weren't uh, readers back then. But in that game, Edward and rifled a shot back up the middle at Justin Verlander. It hit Justin Verlander's wrist. Justin Verlander needed medical attention between innings so he could go back in the game to finish his second career no-hitter. Drew Sharp wrote that exact play up as a weak bounce out between third base and the pitching mound.
0: That's what Plus he the called play it. was close. I mean, that's the other and no. Thing. Then he said there was controversy. no. He said there was no controversy. That play controversy. May have been overturned if that was in the review era.
1: That play would have. Yeah, that probably play probably would have been reviewed in the in the in, in today's. That's a great point in today's game because there's instant replay. Drew Sharp said that there was no controversial plays in the game. The manager came out to argue. It was it's, it was Farrell, right? I think it was Boston's manager, current manager John Farrell, who went through cancer. I think he was the manager at the time. He came out and argued the play. The only way you wouldn't have known what went down is if you weren't watching the game, which Drew Sharp wasn't. He admitted to me in an email, and then when we sent all this to the free press, they tweeted out a, uh, from, their, from their free p- sports Twitter account that, they, that Drew was watching the game and there's nothing to see here. So not only did they do nothing, they doubled down and defended the guy. So this is not the first transgression. There was the other time where he, with the Rush Limbaugh stuff. Where he went on Wikipedia. I mean, when do they teach you that, Jasper? Not to go on Wikipedia for background information in, in journalism.
2: That that would have like been nine. That would have been in sixth grade, probably when I was in Mr. Moore's English class at Cranbrook. Wikipedia. I mean,
1: like, I mean you can anyone could go on Wikipedia and say anything, and until they edit it out, it's fact, right? Everyone knows. My, my nephew, who's in fifth grade, knows that you can't use Wikipedia as a source. They teach you that young. And this guy's using and Wikipedia? And it gets called thing, out by Rush Limbaugh, of all people? This is a pattern this, of this guy, and he should be fired, Justin.
0: Here, well, well, here's the difference. I'm not saying he shouldn't be fired. I, I've never said that. I just said it's not really my position as a reporter on this story to demand anything. And I thought that was important to delineate that. I thought it was important to make that distinction that although personally I do think he should be terminated for this, I think it's that level of offense, I'm not going to call for that in the report. I wanted to keep the report pretty straight arrow. And that there's one thing that's come through through numerous conversations with many sources that are professionals in the field, professional academics, and people that are actually in the field is that this is the ultimate betrayal because what is the general function, the most basic function of a journalist is a watchdog. And when the watchdog starts covering things up, when the watchdog starts concealing information and starts offering what I would classify essentially as a bribe to silence someone in the form of hush money, that is a major violation and a major breach of trust. The basic function of a journalist is a watchdog watching corporations, watching government, etc., watching the big man in, in defense of the little man. And when they are actively participating in this type of behavior, where they are covering something like this up, it is the ultimate betrayal. It, it, it is the number one wrong thing you can do in that position. So I think it's deeply disturbing. I, I think it's outrageous what's occurred. The few people that don't find this outrageous have no concept of journalistic principles, I can't find a professional in the field that disagree with us. And I challenge anyone who doesn't think this is a big deal to talk to any journalism professor, talk to any reporter, talk to any editor, talk to anyone anywhere that works in this field that doesn't find this not only troubling but outrageous. And share that experience, share that conversation with us, because I haven't heard it. I've spoken to probably 14, 15 people, a few of which were in the last hour before I called into this show. Is there Everyone is in unanimous agreement that this is so beyond Jasper? the pale for a, a newspaper, for a news publication to do this. This is something that ends careers. This is something that destroys credibility. It is more than simply concerning. And for the free press to remain silent on this, is just, it's unspeakably irresponsible.
2: Well, Justin, this is something that I feel personally you and I agree on this, especially with our journalism backgrounds. It is an unforgivable sin in this field. It is unforgivable, and I think a lot of people. Like you said, the, the function of a press is to be a watchdog, and when the watchdog okay, we've we stops that. doing that. We've wait, covered it. Wait, wait, we're, well, just, we're, we're, wait. Give me a we're second. The things issue, now. the issue becomes. Look, media fifty years ago was the most trusted probably the most trusted institution in america the news media no longer it's one of the most distrusted and this is one of the reasons why because when the media members do get caught doing something bad the people who are in charge of them very often cover it up and we've seen it with the free press before how could anybody trust the free press if drew sharp is not fired well,
1: you're, you're speaking to the, the choir on that one. Is there anything else we need to talk about before we beat this uh, dead horse? I do want to give out uh, the information. If you go to the website, the DSR, and you click on the story from yesterday, the follow-up story, you can, you can donate to the Chicago Shriners Hospital for Children, which is Miranda McCoy's uh, charity. And I'm hoping that maybe you probably, you'll, you'll probably run into her, I'm guessing, down there. She's on her way. Uh, to the game, Justin, maybe you can get a periscope with her or something. That uh, might be a nice, some nice closure. I would
0: would love to meet Miranda McCoy. She was very pleasant in my conversation with her in reporting this story. I'll just say in conclusion, I'll let you guys move on with your show. Uh, I will say that I'm looking forward to meeting the two active service members of our military. I am meeting them uh, tomorrow to give them their Cotton Bowl tickets, uh, which was, the completion of our promise to give tickets to charity in um, r- sort of direct response, if, n- if nothing else, um, inspired by Kelly Stafford's selling of her tickets uh, to that uh, game against the Saints. So uh, it- it's crazy here in Dallas. Uh, I'm going to go mingle with our good friend Ryan Schuling and a couple other members of the media. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got to get out and, of, I, uh, we, gotta we got to
1: end the show because we got to end the show early because I have a date with ML Elric. The other, <laughs> the other person who won a Pulitzer Prize for taking down Kwame. Jim Schaefer, liked my tweet yesterday, and ML Elric absolutely wants me dead, and he thinks that I won't go and confront him. Like he's calling me out, like I'm some like keyboard tough guy. Like I'll, sh- I'll show up wherever you want me to show up. So I have to, we have to end the show at six yeah. thirty, and I'm so I'm go- driving over to the Fox Two Studios in Southfield. To go, I don't even know what I'm going to do with M.L. Elric. Other, I mean, do you have any suggestions, Spiro,
0: what I'm supposed to say? Well, I mean, I was the guy on Facebook that said everyone be nice. Look, I think M.L. Elric has done good work in this town. I, I, I've been very transparent about my feelings on your issue with him. Look, I don't like Darren McCarty any more than the next guy. I, I think his behavior is disgusting. I think the way he's handled his family affairs is embarrassing. I, and I, I find it appalling. However... I do think M.L. Elric is one of the good guys in town in terms of the work he's done. I thought he did incredible work on the Claude Mitchell-Patrick case. And I think you despising him or being so critical of him based on the fact that he's acquaintances with Darren McCarty I don't, is a little bit much. First, I think of all, too far, just for,
1: first of all, I've never said that he was anything but a good reporter. I've, I, I, There's no question about it. And I've given him his kudos for that. But I, I just think it's hypocritical. To be such buddy-buddy with a guy who in Calgary was married to a woman, stole her credit card, went to the casino that she worked at, ran up $20,000 in gambling debt, and then took her car and drove it to Detroit, didn't tell her he was leaving, and wrote her a Dear Jane letter that they were getting divorced. And, okay, that's what Darren McCarty did to this poor woman. And I just think a man... Like M. L. Elric, who was basically the reason that Kwame Kilpatrick's in jail, and was you know rightfully um, disgusted with his behavior. I just think it looks really bad when you're a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalist. And you're pal and you're doing radio shows with the scum of the earth like Darren McCarty. Yeah, but we're friends with you, so well, let that, I, as us as bad as I am. As bad as I am, and I'm sure Melissa <laughs> could give you a long list of <laughs> shitty things
2: I've done. I, I never drove
1: from Calgary to Detroit in her car and then
2: never didn't return it. Honestly, I think she'd prefer that to the haircut, the John Paul Morosi haircut. But
1: and, and my other point is and, and my other point, by the way, with Elric is this is a guy who gets in people's faces for a living, gets roughed up, the, the you know the nonsense of speaking truth to power type of deal. So why is he getting offended when I do it? Is my question for him. I mean, I, I'm I'm behaving in a similar manner to him. Just trying, I'm I'm doing what I think is right. Why why is he have such a personal vendetta against me? And like I said, this all got brought up because your article was posted on the Detroit, or excuse me, Deadline Detroit Facebook page. And M. L. Elric goes on and says, "Well, even though I didn't write the article, you did. If this was coming from someone else, it might have more validity. But Moss is no paragon of virtue, and basically called me scum. He's the one who started this. I wasn't looking for a fight with M. L. Elric. You know, I like the I like I like the song. I like the song. Wake me up before you go go. I'm not. I don't have anything against the guy."
0: Well, well I... you, you, started, you started the real contentious relationship. If he were observing from afar and criticizing, that's one thing, but you engaged him, and, and I do think he is one of the good guys, one of the few guys that are not a- afraid to confront issues in this town. Uh, so I value MLL, Rick. I don't know, personally, I've never met him, but um, I've never spoken with him. But I do think he's one of the good guys in town, and, and for all the shit we have to deal with, in this town, all the shitty reporters, all the people with no spine, I, I think he's the guy that can be spared our, our attention. I do think that what your, your criticism of his Darren McCarty hypocrisy is legitimate, I don't think it was not worthy of pointing out. I, I think it was worthy of addressing, but I thought you were a little harsh on him when in the big picture, this guy is one of the good guys and one of the guys that is a lot like us, tenacious. Doesn't care about authority. We're going to report what we know, and we're gonna we're gonna go after it. So, and that's and, fine.
1: Know, that's fine, and I appreciate that. But why is he coming after me? Which I'll ask him. I guess at six forty five in the Fox Two studios in pitch black and cold weather. I don't. I, I like I said. I, I don't know why he thinks I wouldn't show up. I,
0: I do. I do think it's funny that he is the seven hundred and thirty first person to call you out for being a uh, either Twitter or keyboard tough guy. And you've called every single one of these bluffs and have shown up uh, at at a number of places around town to confront these people. There's plenty of things people say about you to be critical. I I think you're pretty self-aware about these things. But the one thing that is not legitimate is that you are somehow afraid or unwilling to confront these things head on. So I'm looking forward to whatever you say. I don't have the beef with Alric that you do. Um, you know, Well, we'll see whatever. what happens. I, I, it, speaks, it, it, I'm looking forward to whatever craziness ensues tonight. We'll, we'll so see what
1: happens, sure. and we'll just segue into the last thing before you go. We we teased it last week, but we kind of ran out of time with all the sour shoe stuff and everything. Uh, but we the one thing we did find out at the uh, Tom Kowalski charity uh, event at the Lodge in Keego Harbor about 10 days ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was, which, by the way, MLL, Rick, was um, – in the building and I walked by him a few times unfortunately I wish we would have had this you know this falling out then so I could have talked to him in a nice warm heated bar instead of a parking lot at 9 mile and Southfield Road well, but, you, better, you better help
2: they even let you in.
1: Yeah, well, well that would be a funny story if they don't let me in. Yeah, there's a but security gate there. So. I, I'm, I'm well aware. I used to be on Sportsworks, and ah, I had to give oh, my yeah, name. Of course. So anyway, <laughs> uh, the one th- there wasn't a lot of interesting stuff that went down. But the one thing I want to talk about, and you're talking about confronting members of the media who I criticize. I was told by Michael Stone, some people know him as Stoney, the host of the morning show on 97.1, that his partner, Bill McAllister – wants to box me in a charity boxing event, which I am now going on the Detroit Sports Rag podcast here in our Ferndale studios and saying, I will accept your challenge, Bill McAllister. Uh, If you want to fight, I would need a few months to get in shape. And supposedly, I guess our producer probably can train me, huh? considering considering <laughs> how she talk. No, but
3: I do have plenty of people that can. Okay.
1: Well, I'm going to need a trainer. I, I, don't, I don't know if you heard Can her. I go? Yeah, you can go.
3: Okay, good. You
1: can... You can you Jessica's like the only one... I'll
3: be your coach.
1: She's so my cut, like man.
0: Huh? Change,
3: but
0: what do you say, Justin? I just think it's interesting that Jessica's like seven percent body fat and she thinks she's morbidly obese. But
3: no, no, I think I'm chubby for my size. So, but that's okay. That's that's going to get wrapped up here. But she
1: did say she could take out Jasper in a fight earlier before you called. Oh, I could
3: easily do that.
0: It's funny. I actually maybe that'll be in the undercard. Look,
2: (laughs) Jessica,
1: I don't mean
0: undercard. Jasper
2: versus Jessica. (laughs) I don't mean to be rude, but again, I fought women before and I manhandled them every time.
0: So can I can I put seven thousand dollars on Jessica right now?
3: (laughs) Only if. Split the profit.
2: If Lauren Youssef (laughs) couldn't take me down, Jessica doesn't stand a chance, and I stand by that. I have no I, idea
3: who we that are is. Gonna have a, it's like she's some like crazy beefcake one with muscles. Chick, I fought in high
2: school. Don't worry about <laughs> you it. You okay. fought
3: a girl in high school? <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: it was, it was for, her it was up for up money. I'm ass up down the whole. It was oh, okay.
0: for money. Come don't right. worry about it. But it was right, an Andy Kaufman your, 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 your friend Scott Anderson is looking at me like he wants to kill me. So I got all you guys know. <laughs> all right. have, a, have a good show. We'll, I'm looking we'll talk forward to you next week. Take care. You guys do a great job. I love Have fun than me. I'm sure it's a much better show. Jessica, thanks for putting up with you. Oh, my up God. On, it's it's fun. All right. Look
3: forward to you coming back. Have fun.
1: All right. Have All right, fun. Take care. Go, go, roll Tide. Uh, so we're going to go into our first break. And in honor of Miranda McCoy, who uh, is a big fan of Wicked, as we learned in David Harns' article, uh, once again, if you want to give make th- any good out of this situation with Drew Sharp and David Harnes and Miranda McCoy, um, you can donate to her charity, which is the Chicago Shriners Hot Children's Hospital. Go on the DSR or my Twitter. You will you can see a link to that. And we will play a song
2: in, out of, into the first break. By the way, Jeff, yeah. I, I hope uh, McAllister kicks your ass just because you like the song <laughs> Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go.
1: Well, listen. I'm, that it, song's it, it, terrible. I understand that. It was a joke about M. L. Elric's <laughs> airing. Like, you get with the program, fucking Miz. Alright, we're going to play a song from Wicked going into the break in honor of Miranda McCoy, and then we will be back with installment number one of the 2016 Detroit Sports Rag, Raggies.
0: This is a previously recorded episode.
1: <laughs> the only <laughs> podcast where you can hear in the same break Lemmy from Motorhead and Chris, Christian Chenoweth and
2: uh, – Adina Menzel, I don't want to butcher her name like John Travolta yeah. from Wicked. So. If, if there's any guy who shouldn't be butchering her name, you'd think it'd be John Travolta. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to go there. Uh, okay. <laughs> Maybe Kevin Spacey? We're
1: oh, going You have to-
3: limits on people you piss off. <laughs> yeah, John Travolta. John Travolta.
2: Travolta. That's yeah. where it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> you don't want to piss off the Scientologists. Exactly. So, yeah. I, don't, I, I
1: don't mess with Scientologists. Yes. Okay, so for the last uh, couple years, at the end of. Uh, The calendar year, the Detroit Sports Rag has given out awards to the media. Um, In the past, we've done this in writing, on blog posts, on the website. This year, we decided we would do it on the podcast, and we're going to give out some tonight. I don't know how many we're going to get through as we yenta it up. We we went a little long on that first segment talking about Drew Sharp and uh, me boxing Bill McAllister. But uh, so the DSR Raggy, there's an actual award, and I didn't bring it tonight, but it's uh, at my house. It's a globe snow globe of the city of Detroit, a made in Detroit uh, like coffee warmer type deal thing, where you know you put your yeah. bat, and inside is a, a tampon.
2: On, oh, that is nice. the raggy.
1: Award reels, at, reels, classy. Yeah, so that's the raggy. I we will be sending out those to all of the winners tonight. And uh, so what we'll do is I'm going to give the nominations. Maybe we'll talk a little, and then I'll give you the winner. Uh, we're going to start giving out our first raggy, our which is going to go to the worst radio broadcast team covering uh, a franchise or sporting a, a sport a team in the state of Michigan. The nominees are. Mark Champion and Rick Mahorn, Pistons on one hundred and five point one. Dan Dickerson and Jim Price on the Tigers Broadcast Network ninety seven point one. And finally, Jim Brandstatter and Dan Deerdorf. Michigan football. Uh, the winner
2: last year of this award was Brandstatter and Deardorf. They're gonna. I, I have a feeling they're gonna repeat, but somebody needs to really give credit to just how bad Rick Mahorn is. That guy does not give the slightest shit about anything related to that broadcast, doesn't care about trying, doesn't care about sounding good or, or even being like – well, but then Brandstatter, of course, is so much worse.
1: Well, here's the thing. Mahorn is probably as bad a color announcer. Don't take that the wrong way. As there can be. I mean, he. he I'm, I'm not sure he's paying attention to the game half the time.
2: It's it's almost impressive how our, little he
1: gives yeah, a shit. It's just terrible. <laughs> and Mark Champion is a born-again lunatic Christian who I can't stand personally. As bad as they are, though, they didn't even come close to winning because there is nothing like that Michigan broadcast uh, between Branstadter and Champion. Now, Branstadter, excellent color announcer on the Lions broadcast, which we're going to get to that award quickly, which he's nominated in that category as the best broadcast team. But this man cannot do play-by-play. I'm not exaggerating. One of every two and a half plays, he screws up someone's name or what happened on the play. He's had no history doing play-by-play, and he's, what, in his 60s now? Deerdorf, I guess, is okay as a color guy I mean he's had a long career on c b s and I think
2: where he was before that well, but being a, night, being a color, color guy is not that hard by right, the way. right exactly,
1: but Brandstetter, is just, you, you don't know what you're watching you don't know you have no concept listening on the radio what's going on that's how terrible Brandstetter. so for the second time in a row, we're giving the d s r raggy for worst radio broadcast team to the Michigan crew of Brandstetter and Deerdorf. I'm guessing Deerdorf probably going to retire in the next year or so and they' probably I don't know. Matt Shepard will take over, and Brand Center will go back to color. But until then, I, I don't see them not winning this award. The show is horrific. Like I said, it's like me
2: calling you Justin Spiro all show. That's basically Brand Center, because he, he he can't get anyone's name correct, and and that's why you can't beat. That's why Mahorn and Champion can never beat him because the color a bad color guy you can make up for with good play by play. But Jesus Christ, you can't make up for that
3: illegibility. Right.
1: Yeah. Best bra- so the best radio broadcast team, two nominees, only two nominees in this category. First is Ken Cal and Paul Woods doing the Red Wings. Second, Dan Miller and Jim Branstadter doing the Lions. And the winner of this raggy goes to Dan Miller and Jim Branstadter. So Brandstatter now has a raggy in the same year
2: for being part of the best radio broadcast team and being part of the worst. It it makes sense to me. I mean, I I love Dapper Dan's voice. He's got. A, I I really like him. Outside of the fact that he does perpetuate these terrible, awful media personalities on a personalities, quote unquote, uh, upon this this fair city of ours. But yeah, uh, he's good. They're both good. I like Ken Cal personally myself. But well, I, I think this is a des- well deserved award for for Miller and Brandt and... I can't really hate on it. This is a little – this is a close one, but it
1: comes down to this basically. Paul Woods is worse as a color commentator than any of the other three people in in, in either of those booths. Dan Miller is way too big of a lion slapdick for my taste. But, I mean, that's his job, I guess. He's being paid by the Lions, and the last person who had that job was uh, Mark, Mark Champion. Champion, who basically <laughs> got, fired got fired
2: for criticizing. For, for criticizing.
1: So I, I think Dan Miller knows what line he needs to walk. Um, And there isn't a lot of great competition in town for best radio broadcasting. So Bram Standard's already got two raggies, which is quite an accomplishment in the uh, first two awards we've given out. The third award is going to go to the member of the Detroit media, sports media, who has the worst Twitter feed. I will give you the nominees, and then you can discuss Lynn Henning, Terry Foster, Vince Ellis – Dan Leach. Oh, God. Anything stick out to you there
2: before I tell you I who think, the winner is? I think Henning and Foster are the two – it's a it's a two-man race here because Leach just isn't big enough and under the right circumstances, like if you got dropped on your head as a kid a lot, he his his Twitter feed would be kind of entertaining I suppose in a way. But Terry Foster is uh, – god. I, I, I say Foster and only because – while Lynn Henning, everything that comes out of his mouth or his fingertips is wrong pretty much, Terry Foster's wrong and completely unable to spell or make any sort of grammatical structure that makes sense. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Terry Foster. I hope you back me up on here. I know you love the Tigers more than anything though, so I'm, I think you might go Henning just based on your personal distaste for his coverage. Okay, so this is why Henning doesn't get
1: the worst Twitter feed, solely because he's excellent on politics. And since basically half of his Twitter account
2: is politics, uh, I, I'm not going to give it to him, okay? Wow. Po- politics being the determining factors. You really are the Vince McMahon of this award <laughs> Ex- ceremony. <laughs> exactly. does So he doesn't, he's not going to uh, take down
1: worst Twitter feed. Terry Foster does his – it seems his worst work on the radio and on Instagram where he spams people um, with Infinity commercials. Is that what that is, Jesper? I I thought he
2: did uh, Xfinity you mean, not Infinity. Yeah, excuse me, Xfinity. Xfinity, yeah. The the former – formerly Comcast, still Comcast. Who the fuck knows how these corporations work anymore? But yeah. He's got those all over his his Instagram feed. Got to save that extra – Forty-five dollars a month, I guess. Okay, so now who's it down to? I've ruled
1: out. It's down to Leach. It's down to Leach and Vince Ellis, who's awful and is just terrible. But at least he can spell. Okay, so the winner is the person who hashtag the following recently in just two hours: hashtag Creepsticks, hashtag Uggsticks, hashtag Hacksticks, a coin a coin fact I don't even know what he's saying genius sauce <laughs> doink sticks back sticks insane sticks Dan Leach is an insane human being and his Twitter account is full of absolutely ridiculous childish drugged out I, I don't even know high on red bull I don't even know what to make of this guy's account N- nut sticks I well, I could go on and on
2: uh, I disagree with evil you here. sticks I
1: disagree with you here because, you what?
2: Sauce. If I was 10 or on cocaine, I think I'd enjoy Dan Leach's Twitter feed. I think I but would. But you're not. Well, obviously, but I still think there's no way you could possibly find any value in anything Terry Foster ever tweets. How could you? There's no entertainment value. There's no intellectual value. There's certainly no value placed on spelling. So I, I, I disagree with you here, Jeff, but... I must submit to your opinion, so. Hold on one second. I, I got to get the next one up before my
1: computer dies here. All right. Well, I'm sorry you disagree. I, I think Dan
2: Leach fi- needs to be recognized for something in this town. Every time somebody retweets Terry Foster onto my timeline, I get upset. I just get mad. In the bits, he does the same type I'm of stupid I'm not defending bits. him. I, hu- second I, hung, I, I, I hung up on him. Oh, that, that's that much better than Insane Sticks. Come on,
1: there's nothing. Okay, I I see your point. I just think giving another raggy to Terry Foster is a little That's redundant. True. He's I already mean,
2: gonna he's already gonna go Titanic on us. He's gonna get like, we, so many of we, them. We did the in memoriam today uh, <laughs>
1: for the for what we've lost in 2015. And if you haven't gone to the website and checked that out, Terry Foster makes the in memoriam like four times, and he's not dead. That's how much we bashed Terry Foster. So I thought fresh breath of fresh air. Let's give the that's worst fine. Twitter feed. Okay, I to, can I can live with that. That's my that's my reasoning. You can take it or leave it. That's fine. Best Twitter feed. This is Tony Paul, Detroit News, who now covers the beat of what Michigan, Michigan State basketball, uh, bowling, uh, golf.
2: He's covering
1: basketball. Okay. Cool. It. Sorry, Kyle Mankey, who's the M Live um, Lions beat writer. Brian Manzullo, who is the sports web editor for the Detroit Free Press, and Josh Katzenstein, the Detroit News Lions beat writer. Any thoughts on those four?
2: And who do you think should win? Oh, boy, this is tough. Um, This is tough. I I personally, I got to take Paul out just because he's an MSU slappy. He is. Too bad. Uh, So I, I, I don't like that. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't really have any strong opinion. To say Katzenstein, I get mistaken for a Jew a lot. So I got to give it to you one do? of them. You Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. I don't see that. But. People think I'm Jewish. What can I say? <sighs> Sorry.
1: Best Twitter feed, the Raggy for 2016. We always, I don't know, we give it 2016 kind of like the Oscars. The best picture 2016 came out in 2015. I probably never should have started that. But the DSR Raggy, best Twitter feed goes to Brian Manzullo the sports web editor for the Free Press. A little disappointed he hasn't come out against Drew Sharp, but I guess he probably can't do that. But look, if you go read that guy's Twitter feed, that guy should be on the DSR. Almost every take universally is correct. uh, When pretty much all of his brethren are dead wrong. Uh, Tony was in the mix. Uh, Kyle and Josh did good work this year on Twitter. You know, bombing Caldwell and and the Lions, and you can't. But they kind of split the vote. I would say you got to give this to Manzullo. If you read his Twitter feed, if you haven't, go go uh, go follow him. He's usually dead on on almost every subject. He needs a bigger voice in this town. Uh, It's sad that Drew Sharp gets more attention in the free press instead of this kid. But uh, that's the way of the world. That that they they probably could hire ten Brian Manzulos for what they're paying. Uh, not the sharpest, Drew. So we're going to give him the raggy for best Twitter feed. Um, also, uh, a, a, a funny little Brian Manzuo note. He's uh, good friends with the uh, girl that Anthony Fennec sexually harassed at CM Life. <laughs> so he gets a little bonus points for that. Uh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. That, that bumps him into number one. That bumps one him up the number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're good friends. Worst television anchor. Now, this one was a tough category this year. Worst television anchor. This is not someone who hosts like a Fox Sports Detroit show. This is like the standard Don Shane, Al Ackerman types. People you have no idea what I'm talking about, Jasper, because you're too young. Well, we're t- nodding. I'm still nodding, yeah. though. <laughs> that, that's, and that's good for radio <laughs> or podcast. Worst television anchor. The nominees are Brad Galley, Bernie Smilovitz, Dan Miller, and Ryan Irmani. Oh, Irmani. Uh, Arma-
2: that's the next, next category. Thank you. Well, hold on a second. You've got Brad Galley. Uh, Brad Galley's young. He's got some talent. T- t- uh, Taylor Swift, uh,
1: Jimmy Fallon, um, what else? Oh, Saturday Night Live,
2: what Slappy. Six, okay, what 16 year old doesn't love those things, right? That's a good point. <laughs> so that's why he didn't win. That's why he doesn't win. R- Armani, as bad as he is for
1: a plethora of reasons, including his sports talk radio show. He's not on the air very much. I barely ever see him. And half the time, I think this year, he was doing news and not the – you know, t- t- sports. I mean, they've got – he's behind, I think, Hammond, Miller, and Woody. Yeah. So he's like fourth there. So yeah. So how much is he off, on the air? We're not saying worst person at picking and gambling on sports. We're saying worst television worst, anchor. Or worst, yeah.
2: Right. Definitely not worst uh, estimation of their own abilities at playing baseball. Right.
1: We're not talking about <laughs> the worst per, the person with the worst brother – yeah, we're talking
2: about worst television anchor. So, Irmani, no, swinging so, a miss. So it's down to Miller and Smilovitz. Okay, so if I may, I, I think you're going to give this to, I think you're going to give this to Smilevitz. I think you are because of of the Harbaugh stuff. Um, so the Harbaugh stuff being, oh well, being that he he put up a graphic that said rumors about nothing.
1: Oh no, okay, that was in Harbaugh. That oh was, no, sorry, okay, that was last year. What he did this year was. Stole Justin Spiro's wrong story about Brad Osmus getting fired. Oh, that was this year. year. Sorry. Sorry.
2: My apologies to
1: Bernie. (laughs) Yeah, that was what he did this year. So it was down to Bernie and Miller. This was the deciding factor for me. If the Osmus story would have been true and we were validated with that, Bernie would have won for stealing the story. But because the story ended up being false and we had egg on our face and so did Bernie— I got to go to Dan Miller for giving another, the second year in a row he's won, and the second raggy he's won this year. Yeah. He's won for best and worst now, just like his partner, Brandstetter. Brandstatter. I got to give it to Miller for continually putting on the dregs of society on Sportsworks on Sundays, never giving basically any, any new voices on the program. Just Drew Sharp. I wonder, is he ever gonna have Drew Sharp on? He's had him on for years. Now that he's been accused of plagiarism. It'll be interesting to see if Miller puts Sharp on anymore, which will be a lock for the 2017 raggy
2: if he does that. Yeah, well, if he if he put if anyone in this town puts Drew Sharp on their program after what we've learned in the last week, uh there's yeah. they, they should win. I'd love to see that.
1: Gives a, a platform to, to foster, to Pat Caputo. I mean, the just worst people In the Detroit sports world, he puts him in our face on Sundays on Sportsworks at 11 o'clock. It's the biggest transgression. I like Dan Miller personally. He's been a big fan of the site since day one. Uh, He used to be a regular reader of the DSR forums. I don't know if he does that anymore. (laughs) But I'm sorry, Dan. Until you actually start giving other people uh, an opportunity on that show instead of these
2: Losers, you're going to continue to win this. I, my award. only argument against that would be that there isn't really a lot of good young talent here in Detroit, uh, whether it be on the journalistic side or the entertainment have side Brian of sports. On.
1: But, but have Brian Manzullo
2: But like you just said, a big part of that is they're not getting exposure. How can you have new guys if they're not getting exposure? And SportsWorks is still a, a big part of. This of, of the local market. Right. You could
1: put on a plenty of good people. The people with this were nominated for best Twitter feed. All of them. Paul Mankey, Manzullo, Katzenstein, your buddy, Mike Roth, Rothenstein, Rothstein. I, there's plenty of people you could put on the air. Neo, who's not exactly great on. I understand that on the air. He's a better writer than he is at talking. But there's plenty of people you could give that opportunity to instead of bringing out Pat Caputo, Jamie Samuelson, Sean Belisian.
2: Well, he's a, he's a better writer than he is Talker, but at least shit, at least he can write. Terry Foster can't do no. either. so Or, or run a it. No, neither can Sharp. Not, neither can most of the people.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that's just So awful. that's very fair. That's it's a awful. fair argument.
0: Uh,
2: okay, so that,
1: that raggy goes to Dan Miller second year in a row. Best television anchor. There's only two here. And this is kind of a joke
2: category. Lindsay Hayes, right? No, no. Oh. Th- she's
1: not. I'm giving this to people who like do the 2, 4, and 7 stuff. Oh, my but, bad. And she wasn't in the market. Even. I'm, just, I'm kidding. I, I, am I going to give it to Lindsay? I should give it to Lindsay <laughs> even really though she should. wasn't in the market. Uh, best anchor, the nominees are Woody Woodruff and Jamie Edmonds. We're not going to talk a lot about this. Uh, we're going to give it to Woody because uh, we like to hug each other when we see each other and we're, we've got a nice relationship. So Woody, just because... You give a
2: nice firm embrace when we see each other. You win the uh, raggy for best hug. I, I now I feel like we should talk more about these these warm embraces you're getting. Yeah, from Yeah, I feel like there's
3: a lot of stuff you're leaving out of your yeah, job. Yeah, I wonder why Johnny Woody to skip over this so Firm, quickly. Warm embraces. Listen, when I, when I, when <laughs> I, I leave when I, when I leave
1: here in 15, one? when I leave here in fifteen minutes. Maybe I'll see uh, Woody at the Fox Two Studios when I'm talking to ML. Maybe we can hug Embrace. it out again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I'm looking Get that forward. On video, to that. please. Yes. Oh, this on it's on. You can probably Google image Moss hugging Woody, and it's probably probably like ten things pop up.
3: Oh yeah, it's, hearts and. Please, love I hope my wife's
1: not listening. Wor- uh, worst <laughs> local sports radio show. The worst local sports radio
2: show. Uh, how many? How many? I only uh, narrowed it down. Down. Yeah, I mean how you could have narrowed everyone. it down
1: to thirty. Yeah, <laughs> I, I narrowed it down to three. Yeah, because the list I just I, I didn't want to get carpal tunnel. <laughs> so the uh, nominees are Matt Derry and Drew Sharp, Rod Rod um Rod. What the hell am I talking about? Rico Beard and Ryan Armani. Doug Karsh and Scott Anderson. The last now last year
2: I think it was uh, Drew Lane. And Mark Fellhauer one, I believe. I believe so. So uh, especially for for the comments regarding the slut drops right. around the FSU so, yeah, story the, and, and the, and the, and the, they, they the gay stuff. You know, they earned it. Yeah. This year, those three. What do you, what do you, what's your thoughts? I think we're probably gonna be on the same page on this one. It's it says a lot when a show that ha- has a uh, <laughs> that employs a known plagiarist. <laughs> Might not be the runaway victor because it's that bad in this market, but yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go with Drew Sharp. Come on, the show's been on for what, like three weeks? Like you said, or a
1: month? I mean, how long has it been on? I don't know. I I never listened. Uh, To beat, I
2: didn't listen before. I haven't listened now. I'm not gonna listen to beat
1: the slap dickishness of Carson Anderson. It takes a lot, but I got to give it to Darian Sharp. This was really down the wire, but when Sharp's plagiarism – I was actually – literally when, when Spiro called me to tell me about the story and and what we had to – what I had to work on on my end of it, because uh, I just found out about – Spiro called me I think like Wednesday night at like 11 o'clock last – I think it was last Wednesday to tell me what was going on and we basically the two of us tag teamed the whole night between staying up. To uh,
2: well, warm oh, embraces seriously. and tag teaming with Justin sounds <laughs> sure. like a good time.
3: I watch way Matt, too you much people. Some growing people up. people are
2: homophobic for Christ's sake. <laughs>
3: it's not even about that. People say wouldn't I giggle? Okay, <laughs> so
1: no. yeah. Anyway, I love the gays. Anyway, but... uh, completely oh God, now, well so mixed. Matt, so so dairy and sharp. Fundale, for so I, I, <laughs> so I I get this message. We're talking to Spiro when I'm actually typing this these raggy nominations. And I was debating
2: between Carson Anderson and, and Darian Sharp, but there's but. again, I think that says so much about this market when a when a show with a known plagiarist has to duke it out with somebody <laughs> right. else. It
1: was close. It was close. And he, and, and, and Anderson, who was the 2015 voted by the DSR uh, readers, the worst media member in town. He did not follow that up with the worst local radio show that goes to Darien's show. And Sharp. I mean, there's nothing, there's just nothing good about that show. There's nothing redeeming. Sharp is an awful troll who doesn't say anything he means and just tries to incite his audience. And then there's Matt Derry. Well, the listener agrees. Right. Okay. So that's the worst one. We now go to, oh, you know what? I don't even think we, I even listed a best local. Radio show. I mean, I. maybe I mean, why
3: would you? You are like Mike Valenti. The, uh, Mike Valenti wins best.
1: Mike Valente. I Mike guess. Valenti by Win, himself. By himself. That's by what, himself wins when Foster's
2: not there. Mm-hmm. And that was what won last year. This <laughs> Valen- is this yeah. is the best actress. Uh, unless this is the best actress award of of the Raggies, essentially. If nobody else really showed that they deserved it. Meryl, Meryl, Street. Street. Meryl Streep. So, yeah, right, exactly. is the Mike, Meryl Streep. Mike Valente we'll, the Meryl Streep the Meryl Streep. We'll start
1: calling him Meryl Valente. Yeah. All right. So the worst TV broadcast of a team, three nominees. Now, this is an interesting one, Jasper. You're going to have to really pay attention. Mario and Pemba and Roddy Allen. Are we keeping
2: you up, Jessica?
3: It was the lawn night. I'm a okay. little hungover yeah, can, today. No okay. judgments from you. No judgments. Keep going. Was it good, before, good thing
2: you just took a shot of tequila was, with me. Was this before or after hair you picked the, up a,
3: a the dog. Uh, It was why well, I, got, I got drunk before. Oh, okay. But I I I've, oh. I've picked up old ladies sober, so don't judge oh. me.
1: Oh, okay. Mario and Pemba and Kurt Gibson. And Mario and Pemba and Jack Morris. <laughs> the three nominees all include Mario and Pemba. Uh Any thoughts on...
2: Mario Mario winning with either Allen Gibson or Morris. Uh gosh. The sad thing is Mario's the best part of that broadcast <laughs> booth, no matter which of the three is in there. Oh Christ. Uh Rod Allen. I i well, I guess. Yeah, it's Rod Allen. Yeah. I I mean, I mean Morris didn't Mor- had Mor- zero uh what's the word I'm looking for? Presence. No presence. The guy yeah. sounded like Ben Carson when he speaks. He's so quiet and doesn't really have a big personality, but
1: so it's Mar- yeah. Rod Allen.
2: Yeah. The Raggy, again,
1: for I don't know how many. This is probably until they're disbanded. They'll probably win this one every year, too. So the Raggy goes to Mpemba and Rod Allen. Best TV broadcast. Oh, that's Kelser, Kelser and uh, George Blaha. And they're one nominee. Yep. The other nominee was last year's winner, Ken Daniels and Chris Osgood. And uh, I'll give this one to you. Blaha and Kelser. Uh,
2: I, I've always been a huge Blaha and Kelser slap. I, they, they got me into sports broadcasting. I, I love those guys. So I I'll, I can never pick against them. Even though Blaha is usually 15 seconds behind game action. Who cares? Action. It's, a, it's a visual medium. It's not radio. You know what happened. I know. You're, you're, he's just he's, there to, to the, fancy it up for the, you. The
1: best was when he used to do the radio and they do a simulcast yeah. before Champion was doing the radio games and... depending on where they were playing, you knew like 10 seconds before he said what occurred. Because if they're playing in Toronto... Yeah, they're going to cheer with somebody. (laughs) They're like cheering for like 10 seconds and then uh, he spits it out. So on the TV, it's not as bad as he was on the radio with that delay. So we give the best TV broadcast to Blaha and Kelser, who I think, second time winner. They didn't win it last year. They won the year before. And they win it again this year. Not
2: a lot of competition uh, in that category. I I still, I still always say, I think Kelser is one of the best color guys for basketball in the business. He's great. you know. I They're up there with Ian Eagle as, as the best broadcast team in the NBA, in my opinion. So well, I'm glad and, they and won. And
1: that's what you're going to school for. So you, I would bow down to you on that one. Worst beat writer. Now, <laughs> another one where the list could be as long as Georgie Murray is on his arm. Helene State, James, Free Press, Red Wings. Answer Khan, Red Wings M Live. Dave Burkett, who had a horrific year, just I think he was nominated for best beat writer last year, and this year he's nominated for worst beat writer for his slap dickishness, uh defending the Lions, and just I'm not not a big fan of Burkett's work this year. Uh, took a big downturn covering the Lions. Chris McCoskey, Detroit Tigers, Detroit News. Ted Cole fan. Red Wings and the Detroit News and then Anthony Fennec, or as Sour Shoes like to likes to call him. Fenetch. <laughs> Anthony Fennec. I don't know <laughs> I don't know where he gets that from. I think he purpose I think he knows it's Fennec and I think oh, I'm sure. I think he thinks that that Russo would mispronounce, would mispronounce which, it. Which to be honest, he
2: probably would. You're so right. it's not Prince a bad is, guess. Which is great.
1: Yeah. So that's the nominees. We I had to narrow that down to what? Six? And I had to get the Red Wings people in there because the Red Wings is a group are just horrible, and I think it had to be mentioned even though none of the Red Wings beat writers won because, like, once again, they split the vote. If anyone would have come in second place in this, I would have given it to Helene St. James of the free press. I think she is just a complete Ken Holland uh, apologist, was for Mike Babcock, never asked a tough question in her life. She wears that scarf constantly. I think it's cutting off circulation to her brain. and I, I, I'm just not a big fan of Helene St. James. She's terrible. But even as bad as she is... Christopher McCoskey. I mean, yeah. I mean, Officer Bar Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only is he the worst, um, it's the probably the most important beat job in town covering the Tigers, in my opinion, for not just the news, any of the beat writers. we They're covering the team 162 games a year plus three great fruit games in the playoffs. I mean, you got to read these guys if you want any um, coverage. And McCoskey is the worst. And then he went on a campaign this year... Saying nothing was Brad Osmus' fault. He wrote an article celebrating Ausmus's return and just filleting Al Avila for not listening to the fans who he absolutely despises. That miserable son of a bitch, uh, it,
2: it, McCoskey. He's just he's just putrid. Let's be, let's be real. Can anyone ever recall something memorable Chris McCoskey wrote or said or tweeted? Yes, and Anything I'll tell you what it is. Except for. Bullshit terribleness.
1: No, I'll tell you what. The only memorable thing that he ever wrote, two things. One, attacking me in a column without naming me. And two, saying that he once contemplated suicide and he was going to drive into an opposing car driving on the other side of the road on Pontiac Trail.
3: Was those all also because of you?
1: No, that was that was before oh, you met me. Okay, but those are the two you. memorable <laughs> things.
2: Although I'm probably have driven people to suicide in the past that no. I don't know about. But uh, I, I think if anything you drive them to murder, not suicide. No, I'm and, still I'm still breathing. Or at least murder suicide. Yeah, if I, I don't, get
3: killed in my car it's because somebody listened to their show and they knew I was your show <laughs> and knew I was on it. So It's probably not a good reason that I gave you, them a ride to work.
2: You don't disclose your last name. <laughs> By the way, should we be dedicating this show to uh my chances of ever getting hired in the Detroit market? Well, you don't even want to. You're yeah, because you're,
3: you're screwed after you're that.
1: You're yeah, I was going to say, this is, they
2: re- we really should be playing Ruined Sarah McLaughlin in the background. Yeah,
1: you're, <laughs> you're going to California and living off that Paige Mobley uh, act, acting money I'm mm-hmm. hoping, and modeling money. So that's McCoskey all the way, no question about it. Best Beat Writer, interesting category, four nominees. I bet you, I wonder if you, let's see how many can you, let's see who you name. I, I know you're going
2: to put Tony Paul up He's there. He's one, yes. Uh, I'm assuming you're probably going to put Katzenstein, yes. Mankey up yep. there.
1: So you've named three of the nominees. There's one left, and it's the winner. And it's the winner. And I don't think if we spent – we only got like five minutes left because I got to go meet M.L. Elric in a parking lot. So I don't think you would guess, guess it if – Oh, is it uh,
2: Prashanth? No, uh, Prashanth's not a beat writer. Oh, okay. He's
1: a pharmacist student in North Carolina. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> oh you didn't know there that? It
2: goes to show how much I'm reading. Yeah. Uh, the
1: winner – For the 2016 prestigious best beat writer, Raggy is a female, Katie Strang.
2: Oh, of course, of ESPN.com. Katie Strang
1: slips in, didn't get that job, I think, until August. She was a ESPN.com NHL writer for many years, one of the best NHL writers around. And because the ESPN doesn't give two shits about hockey or the NHL, they moved her against her will – to the Tigers beat, and she instantly became the best Tigers beat writer since I was uh, born, since I've been alive in 43 years. Only, you know, Tony was never officially the Tigers beat writer, obviously, or he would have been in consideration for that. Uh, yeah, I don't think you
2: can consider Tony based, but we just actually, based on the fact that uh, what he's been covering right, has been so. Right. I, I just don't care. Sorry, no, Tony. No, no. I, I just don't care. I know. It's unfortunate. And Katie,
1: Katie wins this, even though she was only on the beat for a few months. But it's refreshing that we actually have a competent professional person, uh, recognized in the country as one of the better uh, reporters, covering the Tigers for us on ESPN.com. And I look forward to her coverage in 2016 as really the primary venue where I'm going to try to get Tigers coverage. And I hope she just doesn't – I think she probably wants a hockey job.
2: I'm hoping she stays with the Tigers, that beat job, and doesn't get a national hockey job with some other uh, entity. Well, isn't it strange what happens when you get somebody who's – doesn't have a an agenda and and doesn't have a, a the desire to be liked or loved or be a part of the Detroit sports upper echelon, and you actually get good, decent reporting. And, and it's not yep. – I don't think it's any sort of a coincidence that the best beat writers in town, most of them, aren't people who are big high-ups at the newspapers, at any of the outlets in town because – they haven't sucked up to, to the management enough. All right. We got a couple. we got to run these through in like the next two minutes, so
1: real quick. Worst columnist, there's four nominees. Mitch Album,
3: Drew Sharp, Drew Sharp,
1: Jeff Seidel, Drew Sharp. Bob Ojanowski. Drew Sharp. I mean, this one was, I guess, I wouldn't have given it to Sharp because, like I said, I don't really take him seriously because he's no, a troll. But you plagiarized. It probably would have went to, I don't even know, maybe Seidel before, but Sharp locked it. He, he yeah. locked it up, and we've spoken way too much about Drew Sharp tonight, so congratulations, Drew. If you
2: don't know why he deserves it at this point. At this point, I I don't know (laughs) what else I can tell
1: you. Uh, Best columnist in Detroit, one nominee, John Neo. Uh, There's not much to say there. I actually tipped off Neo at the Killer event uh, two weeks ago and told him uh, to make room on his mantle for the tampon and uh, Detroit uh, um, Snow Globe. Snow Globe. Yeah, I told him, I I said, do you have enough room in your palatial house to make room for another raggy and he and i think the quote was oh come on you can't give it to someone else and i and my response to him was who <laughs> yeah. i said not only can nobody else win this award except for you there's not going to be another nominee and he just kind of just shrugged his shoulders
2: so john neo once the, again the stevie wonder in the 70s of this category yeah, the third third year no well, yeah he's like the daily
1: show <laughs> yeah. the daily show of emmys uh, john neo third year in a row best columnist It'd be nice if someone else got could even gain a nomination in next year. Let, Good luck. Let, let's just set that as a goal. Not that you're going to beat John, but that just someone else is going to get a nomination. That's all we're asking for. Not we're not our high bar. Maybe whoever replaces Drew Sharp at the Free Press. Maybe Brian Brian Manzullo. <laughs> give him a column. I, I'm a, probably the worst career move of possible is getting me to like you and and prop you up, but. Give
2: Brian Manzuo the web editor, the free Well, no, that's turning out – that's that's really helped out Tony Paul in the last year, right? Oh, yeah. He's been demoted to Siberia covering uh, yes. U of M basketball.
1: <laughs> and then the last one we're going to do uh, this week – I think we'll have some more next week, some of the more ones that I've got to research and not just do off the cuff. Uh, the uh, Jamie Samuelson Memorial Raggy that we give out for the most boring uh, Detroit sports media member, bland, vanilla, nothing to offer whatsoever, is just taking up – Oxygen and Space. The nominees are NyQuil, Valium, Tryptophan, the uh, George Costanza Home Movies for Michigan trips, <laughs> and Jamie Samuelson. Oh, okay. And the winner, again, in the Jamie Samuelson Memorial Raggy is Jamie Samuelson. Uh, c- incredible that he keeps winning the award named after him, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, what are you going to do? You, you, just, you can't dispute greatness. You cannot. <laughs> you can't dispute greatness. You cannot dispute greatness. <laughs> Abject mediocrity, really, is what it is. So that's it for tonight's show. Those are the raggies. We'll post the recap, uh, the winners on the website. Uh, thanks for joining us. I got to go confront a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter in a parking lot at Nine Mile in Southfield. He
3: Sort of probably wants to kill you. I like don't. I don't understand why we've been meeting.
1: This is like the. This is like telling someone you want to meet them at after school at three o'clock behind like the. Uh, the, uh, and, and your neighbor's suit. front lawn. Yeah, like, but with no intention to fight. I don't know what we're doing, but I'm gonna. We're gonna go. Maybe meet you guys him are out. gonna
3: hug it out. Yeah.
1: No, that's me and Woody. Will you pay attention, Jessica? That's okay. me and Woody. Woodrow. I was talking about wrong. your love life. Wrong. Okay. Wrong,
3: wrong fox. Two. I was talking about you know new additions to your love life.
1: Thanks for joining <laughs> us. Have a happy new year. We will be back next week. Spiro, I think will be back. Maybe Jasper will chime in. He's not going back to school till the nineteenth. Maybe you'll bring in Paige. Maybe maybe we'll actually talk about sports next week. We talked knows. about sports, didn't we? No.
2: What boxing, Bill McAllister? That's not sports. Okay, <laughs> a good good point. Yeah, that's true. And me and Jessica fighting. Jessica Jessica yeah. with her Jessica with their pink Louisville Slugger. That's not sports.
1: And a pink bat
3: mace. A bat is mace. the
1: mace is not sports. Oh yeah, you're, you're, you're screwing me up Okay,
3: under. so whatever the, the Louisville Slugger. Oh. Mm-hmm. all right.
1: Good night, Spiders. everyone. Have a good uh, holiday. Stay safe. Take an Uber or a cab if you drink and drive. Anthony Fenech. Uh, have a good uh, 2016. We'll see you on the other side.
0: This is a previously recorded episode.